Welcome to Lightways Astrology. I'm Anna Isabel, and today I have a wonderful astrologer to speak with, and her name is Wanda Sella. Wanda, welcome to Lightways. Thank you. Thank you very much. Wanda, it's always hard for me to know what subject to engage in with you because you are so knowledgeable about so many things. But this time, I couldn't resist the temptation of looking at the connection between the planets traditionally and herbs and perhaps oils and things like that. And I just thought you would be the, the right person to talk about that particular aspect of the union of these two wonderful disciplines. Um, well, first of all, let me say I'm not a herbalist, but uh, I have practiced as an aromatherapist for ooh, a very long time. I think when I started as an aromatherapist, people used to say to me, well, what's that? You know, what is it? You know, It was unknown. Of course, it's uh, very well known now. So, yes, I, I got very interested in, in um, the, the, the connection between the plants that actually made the oils or from which the oils were extracted and uh, and the link to the planets where does this link come from well i learned it through um astrologers like william Lilly and nicholas culpepper but it's much older than that because i mean now we we um analyze plants uh through through you know, their families, their science, what, you know, the, the, the scientific side, really, we, we, we look at the chemical structure. But in, in times gone by, uh, it was their shape and their colour and whether they uh, affected the body uh, through heat or they cooled it down. So, um, so it's by observation, really. And uh, so a plant like violet, which is cooling, they would assign to Venus because that is seen as a cooling planet. So when you think about Mars and Venus, you know, Mars is hot and active and, and um, Venus is more laid back. So you can see how that can translate into the plants, you know, plants like uh, ginger and black pepper well you, you 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 couldn't really not know they are um ruled by mars you know and uh, say venusian plants tend to be of a cooling nature so this i guess then what we're saying is has its roots in medical astrology yes yes um i suppose one time astrologers were physicians quite often that or or if if you studied um physic or medicine in in the universities there was a chair in uh, astrology as well i think it started about the 12th century because before then uh, education and, and healing and medicine was was through the monasteries and i, and I did did find a, a wonderful healer of the 12th century um hildegard von bingen i don't know if you've heard of her she was a german abbess and she used uh plants and minerals i'm not sure with the astrology chart but she she did um heal by the moon you know if it was waxing if the moon was waxing she would um uh make uh, cho choose a situation where she wanted something to become 
better or amplify something if the moon was waning she she would choose medicines that would sort of curtail something so so yes so, so it's one of the first healers in, in the monasteries it was a woman that that we know about anyway I found that very interesting so because I guess she would have been used if she was using astrology it would have been the decumbiture chart if she were, I haven't come across that yet. I think she might have just known, you know, where the planets were, where the moon was. But uh, if she were, which uh, basically is, 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 it's like a consultation chart. It's the moment that the therapist meets with the client. Although uh, decumbere comes from the Latin, um, you know, to lie down. Now, most people think, that the decumbiture chart is is the uh, uh, the moment you take to your bed well when you think about it how many people had a watch <laughs> back in those days you know uh, because William Lilly in the 17th century used it and so did Nicholas Culpepper the ordinary person did not have a watch so they couldn't have taken the time they first laid down I think it's to do when the life force begins to lie down. In other words, you're feeling pretty grotty and, and you go to the um, apothecary, to the astrologer, who may take um, the time, he'll have a timepiece and he'll note the time that you came to them. And of course, a lot of these astrologers were also called piss prophets, get my teeth in, Piss prophets, because quite often someone who was ill would take a, a, a vial of their urine to the astrologer and he would pronounce upon that. Of course they would. And it makes me rather happy that I am a modern astrologer. <laughs> well, I guess not all astrologers <laughs> were into the medical side. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, well, now... This is such a, a fascinating um, look at how astrology was practiced. I, I, here we were, I thought I was going to be talking to you about herbs, um, but now we're actually talking about how astrology was practiced. And, and it made me think um, how we're very particular that we want the precise timing of things, but they wouldn't have had very precise timing um, when they were working. Well, the astrologers would have a more precise timing than the client. Than the client, <laughs> client wouldn't have any timing at all. Which they, um, and I love your de definition for the the temperature chart as being the, the moment where the life force is leaving, because of course that's when you would go and look for help, isn't it? Because yeah, you you wouldn't necessarily just lie down first of all. No, you, you might, you might, but you 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 would go. Um, you know, you'd be feeling ill, you'd go to see the astrologer. I mean, today, like a modern decumbiture chart, you can you can take it for any moment, really. It, you, you can um, take it for the moment you go to the chemist to get your medicine, <laughs> you know, if you like, or, or if you go to the dentist, or um, if you're feeling unwell, just generally, you, you, can, you can actually, um, it's an event chart but it's a medical event chart and you would read it according to, to medical astrology rules. So, so 
can you perhaps give us a little bit of an outline then as to, because you were talk, oh, no, before we do that, it would make more sense to explain this idea of some planets being hot and some planets being cold. Would you, could you tell us about that? Um, well, William Lilly in, in his book, Christian Astrology, he outlines uh, all the planets. So he talks about the sun, for instance, being um, hot and dry, as Mars being hot and dry, talks about um, Venus as being cold and moist and the moon cold and moist. And Saturn is just dry and, and Jupiter moist. Well, this, this, and it might, might sound a bit confusing, but um, you see, the plants that accorded with the planets, so they, as I said earlier, were either um, going to give an effect of moist. If, if you're in a dry condition, then you need a moist planet that's healing by antipathy. Um, but this, this was all done in accordance with the four humours. Um, so, you know, whether the body was in a state of illness, was too dry or too moist. And therefore, the plant was um, chosen to counteract a surfeit of a particular humour. So if, say, you um, were looking at a decumbature chart and in a very simplistic way, and you saw that the sun and Mars were, were in a difficult position or very prominent, you may get a, a condition of inflammation. That makes sense, doesn't it? So, you know, inflammation linked to sun and Mars. So you may choose, the doctor physician astrologer would choose perhaps a plant like violet, which is ruled by Venus or even rose which is ruled by Venus because they're cooling does that make sense yes it does because what essentially what they're trying to do is balance things out absolutely absolutely it's all about balance in the end isn't it and I think that's you know when you're looking at medical astrology and you're looking at the humors it is about bringing the system into a balance because something's happened to take it out of balance so it makes perfect sense to me um, that you would be using herbs to, to do that because those were, that was the medicine available um, at the time. When you were practicing aromatherapy, did you work with these principles? Were they there in the back of your mind when you were choosing what to use? Totally, <laughs> totally. I would always take um, the time any client arrived um, and not in every case was it necessary to consult the chart because um, not, not all clients came with a medical problem. Um, they might be feeling a little bit awry. They may not be feeling great, or they may just be there just, just for a top-up, just to be made to feel better. So I didn't always... Uh, feel the chart was necessary but but if there was a, a situation that was a little bit more challenging then I, I would let the chart guide me but 
because I, I ha have a psychological background too, um, which I, I worked with the oils, with the client and with psychology, if you like, um, gained from the astrological chart, which is not unusual because the Egyptians used to work like that. With you, you have the Ebers Papyrus, where you have a list of herbs for a condition, and you had um, on the other side, you, you had a prayer from the gods. Well, I wasn't actually praying with God, although maybe that's part of it, but I was looking, if you like, at the mind and body of the client. So it was a holistic treatment with psychology, astrology, and the oils and, and the massage. It was um, to balance out because many conditions, I wouldn't like to, as I say, I'm not a doctor or a herbalist, but in, in, in what I know with astrology, psychology, and, um, and, and aromatherapy, we, we know many conditions do have a basis in stress. And it's not just a case of, the stress being of that moment in time, it builds up over the years as well. And astrology can show you, with a natal chart that is, over the years, how things have built up. Um, so yes, I was always working holistically. It seems to me that for all the gains that we have made in medicine, we have had some serious losses and the, the, it's like a luxury now to have a practitioner that takes a holistic approach and considers the emotional state of the client, the family, etc., in order to create an encompassing plan for healing. That is something that can only be lost when we have a situation where doctors are allowed 15 minutes at most, um, in some cases less, to see patients, and where medicine doesn't even look at the body as a whole, but looks at it as individual organs or pieces, some of which are malfunctioning. So it's, it seems perfectly logical to me that you would be looking at the whole. And this is, of course, the, the role of alternative therapies is to support um, what modern medicine um, is lacking. Two things to say about that is, yes, I think because they own, doctors only have uh, such a short space of time to see you, they, they can't, they don't have the time. They can't to get involved with the psychology. And, and yet having said that, I doctors I've seen over my lifetime, I know that they, they would be quite capable of doing that. In, in fact, I remember one doctor many years ago saying to me that they were in fact taught that it isn't always the medicine, it's the person, um, it's the doctor. In other words, people come and talk about their problems to their doctor, or they used to, they don't have that time anymore, do they? So it, the, the healer isn't necessarily the medicine, it's, it's the therapist, it's the doctor. One of the uh, big principles that we were taught when I was training um, as a therapist myself, as a hypnotherapist, was the, that one of the biggest determining factors in success in the therapy 
is the relationship between therapist and client. And we know that that's the case for doctor-patient as well. It's, it's the same thing. If you have a good relationship with your practitioner, whatever type of practitioner it is, the chances of the outcome being successful and satisfactory um, are much higher. So this is something that we lose when we, I, I guess, to a certain extent, we're mechanizing medicine. It's true. And the astrologers of old knew that because if we go back to the decumbature chart, I mean, there are various areas you look at. You look at the ascendant, the sign and its ruler to see what condition the patient is in, you know, whether they're the life force is strong or weak well obviously if they're there <laughs> the chances are it's not in the best condition but you also look at the astrologer you look to see whether there is a link between the patient and astrologer i mean it's often said and i think in ordinary um consultation charts if saturn is in the seventh house it may mean that the astrologer come physician isn't going to do be much good for the client or the patient. And if uh, the, the rule of the ascendant and rule of the descendant are in square, then they're not going to get on. I suppose the, 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 the best connection you want is a trine or sextile, really, between client and, and astrologer. You, you, um, um, I hope that makes some sense. I'm sure it does. I'm sure you understand what I'm saying. Uh, I'm just not sure if I explained it very well. <laughs> you explained it perfectly. What you're saying is that the, the relation, because we're talking about the importance of the relationship between um, the therapist and client, um, whatever that discipline is, that that is mirrored in the actual chart. Is That's the right. Yeah relationship is going to be um, helpful or limited. So if you've got that Saturn in the seventh house, there's limits to what the astrologer might be able to do. And that could quite simply be that, you know, the expectations of the client are not realistic. And so therefore the astrologer is limited in what they are able to do in view of the, uh, in the clients. Uh, absolutely, uh, absolutely, yes. Uh, they may have expectations. Um, I, I, I think an, an, an ordinary, if I can call it ordinary, chart reading can be like that as well. You know, people can have great expectations of a chart reading and, and, and in, in so much as feeling that it's a magic wand situation that, everything you say will then make their lives forever better, you know? Yes. Um, and with the decumbature chart, if, if Saturn's in the seventh, there's a square between the two, um, or opposition between, you know, the two significators, it, it just means that they're not really understanding each other. They're not hearing each other, not of the, whatever. It, it could be a, a, a wonderful therapist, astrologer, but just, it doesn't make sense to the um, client. And of course, there is always the situation where the client has that illness or condition, 
because it, it means something to them. They, they need it for that moment in time. There's something they, it, uh, it sounds a bit harsh saying it, but sometimes, not always, I think in most cases we don't need any kind of illness, do we? But just sometimes the, the person doesn't want to be healed just yet. No, that's right. It's, because uh, it draws attention to them. Yes, or it gives them a break from life um, in some way. This is, of course, subconscious and it, it is. Oh, uh, yes. Yes, subconscious. It, yes. Yeah. But um, there are times when the illness is there, perhaps to protect the person from something. Mm, um, yeah. And, you know, and it's it's important then that we're able to put little signposts there to help them to see the role that this is playing and whether then once it's brought out into the conscious, whether it can, there is a purpose to be served here or whether there is a better way to achieve what the illness is doing. So, um, well, yes. I've learned, I've learned that over the years. We, we do, we do. You just said you, ca you cannot force your healing onto somebody. <laughs> no, no, they, they have to be, um, completely participating in the healing process even i mean in modern medicine we we know well the the concept of placebo and um, yes. nocebo and and we know that uh, pills of a certain color this is the the degree to which the engagement of the patient or the client is important um, as part of the healing process that you people respond better to pills of certain colors than pills of, of other colors. And I think red is one of the ones because somehow they feel that if they're taking a red pill, it's extra potent, extra powerful. <laughs> yes. And color actually plays a part in, so the choice of color plays a part in, um, in medicine itself because we are very aware of the role that psychology plays in terms of, of healing. So this is um, very different from the conversation I envisaged having, but oh wow, hasn't it been wonderful? <laughs> well, well, if you want to go back to plants, let, let me just say that with the decumbative chart, you have an area which is the 10th house, which often points to the plant or essential oil or to the therapy that may be, um, relevant to the client so for instance say you have libra on the 10th house cusp so that's venus ruling it so it may well be a cooling plant or cooling oil that is relevant to the person or if not necessarily choosing for the cooling side if we're talking about venus uh, uh, it obviously does depend on the client, the case history, as, as well as the astrology. Uh, and it, it may be that they're going through depression or they've just uh, broken up with somebody and Venus is showing as the plant to choose, the oil to choose. So you may choose something like rose, which has a reputation for healing um, love problems, if you like, or heart problems. I, I, I don't mean necessarily physical heart problems, but on, on the emotional level. So, you know, there is built into the decumbiter chart, the kind of therapy medicine plant that, 
that you may use. So this is one of the reasons why I, I love um, the Cumberture charts and, and medical astrology, because there's, it's so rich. It's rich in history. It's rich in meaning. And that makes me think that I ought to and will put a link to your book on Cumberture um, and medical astrology on the notes to this podcast. And oh, thank you. Uh, so I'll, I'll definitely do that. And of course, Wanda, you are the, the person who organizes the program for the Astrological Lodge of London. And you have a very exciting event coming up. Okay, it may seem strange that the event is, is about crime and astrology, uh, especially as I organized it and it was my brainchild, but crime is not too far removed from uh, medical astrology at all because medical astrology uh, or medicine or anything to, to, to do with the body uh, in, it, from a pathological point of view can also be linked to crime because after all, Crime is a pathology as well. So we are going to look at four different cases and the um, crime cases. Um, it's called Coffee and Crime, the seminar, because I jokingly would say you supply the coffee and we supply the crime lectures, of course. And I'm going to be talking about murder and duality, which is looking at the dual nature of man through the chart of Peter Sutcliffe, who was the Yorkshire Ripper. And um, other people like Lucian Windrick is going to be looking at a deadly moment of madness, which was about spree killing. And then Jill Doran will be looking at miscarriage of justice, which... Um, which was uh, to do with the John Christie murders when uh, Timothy Evans was hanged. And um, Santiago Mantas is going to be looking at the case of Lizzie Borden, who got away from killing her parents. So perhaps it's not for the faint-hearted, but we're not going to be gory and, and use any sort of terrible details, but we're going to be looking at the astrology, psychology of each situation. Oh. It's always fascinating to look at the dark side of um, human nature and, and to see the way the astrology um, explores that. So may I just say it's on Saturday, the 4th of September, and you can go on the Lodge Astrological Lodge website um, for further details. And we've got a special offer this week and next week. Anyone can book just for £15 for the day. Wanda, that sounds like a great deal. Of course it does. And um, I hope that people will be signing, signing up for that. And um, I will put a link to the Astrological Lodge of London on the notes as well, so that you can all um, join up and learn about astrology from yet another angle. Wanda Seller, thank you very much for joining me on Lightways today. Thank you, Anna. Thank you very much. And if you'd like to learn more about what I do and astrology talks, workshops, etc., I'll also put a link to, to my website on the notes. And if you want to learn more about Wanda and her chart, there will be a link to a YouTube video where we talk about Wanda's chart. Next week, I'll be speaking to Nicola Alsop about astrology and fertility. Until then, have a great week.